Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Agents of Revival podcast. How you doing today? I am so glad you are here with me on this journey. You know, we are in a new series called Trigger Wars. And today's message uh, marks our 10th episode of season three. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um,. You know, before we get started, we're going to say a quick prayer. So, Spirit of the Living God, we come to you right now. I just want to say thank you for allowing my brothers and my sisters to hear and receive a word from you, God. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. May you get the glory, honor, and praise from our lives. May this message fall on good ground and produce good fruit in the lives of your servants that will hear this message, that will hear the rally cry, and that will get up and do what you are calling them to do. Heavenly Father, move in only the way that you can move so that you get the glory, honor, and praise. We keep none for ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so today's message, and I don't know if you guys can hear in the background. Um, so if you hear like any type of uh, noise, there's construction uh, in my neighborhood. So um, I'm hoping that it won't come through on here. But we just going to still give you the word of God because uh, how many of y'all know that ain't going to stop the word? The word going to just go forward, okay? So um, today's message we're going to talk about today is uh trigger wars part 10 made up makeup yep mm-hmm. made up makeup i know you're like what i'm gonna explain so i actually got this title i was talking to god about identity and how we seem to be in an era in the church where we are dealing with identity crises in the world today um, in the church, of course, but also in the world, like so many people are struggling with their identity. They don't know who they are. They don't know. Um, they don't know what God has called them to do. They don't know their purpose. And so um, I wanted to talk about this today because it's something that um, was just on my heart. And uh, so I prayed to God about it. And this is the title he gave me, <laughs> Made Up Makeup. And I said, okay, God, but what does that mean? And he helped me to understand that uh, many times people, um, you are, because you don't know who you are, you miss the mark of who you were always made up to be. And so when you don't know who you're made from, the image you're made in, which is Christ Jesus, then you make up your own image. And we see that in the world today. So many people who have no idea who they are or did not like who they were when they were born or how they were raised in their families or in the neighborhoods, communities, wherever they were raised in. And so since they don't like who their made up was, and especially sadly if it wasn't 
anybody teaching them about Jesus Christ and them having their identity rooted in Christ Jesus, then they make up whatever image they want to be. They make themselves up. And so that's why you hear even in culture today, people saying how, oh, well, we, you know, live in a time where you could just be whoever you want to be and you could, um, create yourself and make yourself into the creative you want to be, make yourself into an influencer you want to be. And it, that's not kingdom way, especially because most people are making themselves up into an image that has to do with sin or that has to do with their pride and it has nothing to do with God. Hello, somebody. How many of you pe people that you know out there where they put on their Mac and mascara and lipstick and, and I mean, they beat the heck out their faces, baby, almost to the point where they're like a little porcelain doll. <laughs> okay. They don't even like themselves anymore. And then on top of that, because they're not happy with how they look, not just the makeup, you know, even with them, they didn't like what they looked before the makeup. Then they put the makeup on and they don't like the makeup either. And so then they use these filters that make themselves look even more childlike or elf-like or whatever that you've seen on movies and TVs. And so, and then, or, and some people even go to extreme of getting plastic surgery to look like somebody else they saw on TV or in a magazine because they're not happy with how they look. They're allowing the world and these people who don't like who they how they are either and don't like what they see in the mirror either they're making these people identify their identity and so because you don't like who you are and you don't really know who you are to really understand why you're so uniquely made and so because you don't like who you are and then you look into the world into magazines and tv and, and instagram and social media influencers and you see in these social media influencers are saying where they see other people that also they don't even realize are in the same boat as them that they, they don't like who they are either and so you see them get the, the plastic surgery and you see them do this and you see them do that and so then you start doing the same thing and it becomes a never-ending cycle of people who are unhappy with themselves with their identity trying to make themselves into the image of other people who are unhappy with their identity <laughs> it's like it, it, in the scripture it talks about the blind leading the blind it's like three blind mice following each other and don't know where they're going you know, like all y'all blind. And and what I mean by blind is not in the natural of your eyes are blind. I mean, the spiritual, you have no idea who you are. And since you don't know who you are, you don't know why God made you. You don't understand your purpose. You don't, you don't, um, you may have identified your gifts and talents, but because you feel like that's all people want from you, because that's all you were willing to give them. And since you never tapped into God's purpose for the gifts and talents he placed in your life, you just give your gifts and talents, you know, all willy nilly. And then you're mad or depressed or hurt, frustrated, whatever, because no, you feel like nobody wants you. They just want what you can do. They just want your gift. They want your talent. They just want you to come and show up and perform and they don't want you. And so there's the struggle in you of trying to figure out who you are and you don't even know who you are and most people don't even have the spiritual maturity i talked about that yesterday uh you, they they become grown folks in the natural but you become spiritually mature immature excuse me spiritually immature and spiritually dull 
in the spirit realm, you know, you have no idea in Christ Jesus who you are. You have no idea why God created you who you are. And so then you have people who make up songs like I'm born this way and I was born into the image that I wanted to create. And no, that's not who you were born as. You were born into the image that God already had in store for you. Though you were born into sin, either nobody taught you how to tap into your purpose or you or they may have started to teach you. And you rebelled against it and rejected your purpose and you're running away from it. But one thing that we learn about in the story of Jonah in the Bible, purpose will always find you. It doesn't matter. It's either you're going to go willingly into your purpose or unwillingly go through circumstances that would then get you to the end of yourself. Where you then say, fine, God, what is my purpose? You know, I find it interesting as I'm teaching this message and I'm thinking about um, certain people who we look, who people have looked to as social media influencers or celebrities and how even uh, during COVID and even after COVID, but also before COVID, they ended their lives. And it's so interesting how these people, the reason why I find it interesting is because these people had everything money can buy they had everything in the world that people who are impoverished feel like or or middle class feel like if i just had that i would be set i would be good if i could just get the bag if i could just um have that baddie on my arm if i could just be that baddie that's on the arm of that basketball player or that rapper or whatever if i could just be who i see on tv then my life would be good but the people you see on tv are just as miserable as you are they're struggling with their identity just as you are it's just that most of them are not spiritually mature enough to step forward to say nor are they healed enough to step forward and say this is my brokenness and so instead of you seeing their brokenness you see the image that they make themselves up to look like so you see a character if you've ever noticed, and because I've worked in entertainment, I, I in the entertainment industry in New York, I've seen this for myself. A lot of actors, even when they come off the screen, are still acting. They don't know how to shut it off. And it's because for years, their talent has been praised. Even going back to some of them did drama school. Um, I meant drama um in in school and so they were acting in plays and putting on performances for their family and their schoolmates and whatnot and so it they they don't know how to turn it off it's who they are some of them have created fake names and it it, it may take like a rare interviewer or a, a person willing to do a deep dive search to find out that's not even who they were born as so you got um uh, some person named John Extravaganza, for instance. And their real name is actually John Doe. But because they had lived the John Extravaganza or Jane Extravaganza for so long, they lived that image for so long, it's become second nature to them. They don't, it's like, uh, they, it's like second skin to them. They don't even know who they really are without the makeup. Because that's what makeup is. It's kind of like second skin. When you take it off, you look in the mirror and you don't even know who you are. Because your identity has been in your talent for so long. And everybody wanting your talent for so long. That you're surprised to to remember uh, somebody that reminds you. I don't know if it's a parent or an old school friend or whatever. That's like, that's not even their name. 
And then the the media, the fans, the the whatever are like the followers are like, what? You your your name's really Jane Doe? Your name's really John Doe? And it's like, I thought your name was John Extravaganza or Jane Extravaganza. And that's who you were born as. Nope. That's not what they were born as at all. If you ever look at some of these celebrities' uh baby pictures or teenage pictures, pictures before they became famous, um, for those that weren't born into fame. Um, cause I know we have some childhood actors out there, but those that weren't born into fame, completely different, completely different people. And you like, wow. You know, I was looking at, um, I, something came in my email, you know, how like spam comes in your email. And so some spam came into my email and, uh, it was a news report. And I normally don't click any news reports because God has had me in a season for the last, uh, since 2020, actually staying away from the news because it, it just, it's toxic. And so I, I am intentional about what goes in my body. And so I stay away from the news because it can be depressing. And so, um, but this particular day I had saw, uh, a name of a celebrity. I'm not going to say the person's name. Um, but some of you may know, like when I start explaining it, what I saw. So if you know, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> but I was reading the news report and, um, and the news report was saying how this particular celebrity, uh, it was getting their, I guess it's called injectables out. Like they weren't doing any more fillers anymore and they were getting their, uh, butt injections and, and silicone, all that stuff. They were getting all that, that stuff removed from their body and they wanted a more natural look. And so they were like, uh, I, I don't know why I found it fascinating to listen to this. Uh, and I was listening to them, like explain what happened to them and how many surgeries they've endured and whatnot. And I was just like, wow, wow. First of all, can we go back to the fact that the original you, <laughs> the original identity of who you were to where you are now is completely different. I'm talking about your skin color don't look the same. Your hair don't look the same. Your hair color, not like just everything. Your eye color, ain't, like, just, everything is completely different about you. And now you find yourself trying to, you've came up with this moniker of who the world view you as. And now you're having this struggle trying to uh, adopt the real you. But you don't even know the real you because you've spent thousands of dollars, countless of hours making up a version of yourself that that tied into your talent that people consumed. And then now, and this person wanted to have children and everything. And it's so sad because now, how do you teach your children who you are when you don't know who you are? Woo! Baby, did she just say that? I sure enough did. That's the word right there. You don't even know who you are. So how can you teach your children about identity? About loving the skin that they're in? I mean, you gotta like a hypocrite. <laughs> and if I was your kid, because I've been I was that kid, I'ma tell you to your face, you're a hypocrite. Are you seriously telling me to love the skin I'm in and I see you, mommy, going to the, the surgeon every other week? Getting just just nip this nip, this tuck, this injected, this, this, this plumped up, this, that. But you tell me love the skin I'm in? Or you telling me, oh, baby girl, your hair is so pretty. But, mommy, you your head is full of extensions. So, why are you trying to tell me that my hair is pretty and I should love my hair and my hair is good hair. But you got in hair texture that you weren't born with because you bought it at the market. 
<laughs> or not the market, but at the hair store. Like, come on. So God is saying today, I need my people to know who they are. You were originally created in the image of God. Back in Genesis, God said, let us make man and women in our image. You were created in the image of the most high God. And he created you for a purpose for such a time as this. But when you are disconnected from your your um the vine as it says in the word in john when you are disconnected from your shepherd when you are disconnected from jesus who is the true way then you have no idea who you are and and it's sad because of course everything starts at the seed and so it's sad when the seed was never taught it when you didn't have parents that poured into you who you were, when you didn't have mommy and daddy telling you how beautiful you were, how handsome you were, how smart you were, how um fearfully and wonderfully you were made, how you were made in Christ Jesus image, how when he created you, he said it was very good. When you weren't told these things, then you went sadly out into the world to find the answers. I know because I've been there. Many a times I found myself in bad relationships seeking the approval of men because I didn't hear it from my dad. And it's not to say that I didn't have male figures around me that poured into me. But many of you know that it's nothing like hearing it from daddy though. It's something that's in us that even if you're adopted, there's a nagging in you. And I've seen because I know some of you that are adopted. There's a nagging in you that still wants to hear from your biological parents. You may have had the best parents, adoptive parents in the world. But it still does not take away that emptiness that says, why didn't mommy and daddy who originally birthed me, who my DNA is from, why didn't they say it? Why didn't they keep me? Why didn't they love me? Why didn't they pour into me? Why didn't they hold me? Why didn't they protect me? Why didn't they pour into me? There's something missing there. But when you become an adult, you have to become intentional. Like I said about, uh, before about grown folk, folk versus spiritually mature. You have to become intentional about your own spiritual maturity. So that you go on the deep dive journey with the Holy Father to find out who you really are. What did he create in you to do to be in the earth? What is your purpose? Yes, you've been operating in these gifts and talents for so long. And so you may feel like that is your purpose. But there is spiritual gifts that God placed inside of you that he wants you to use that talent to pour out to help others. Even if you may be an actor or an actress or musician or a poet or a podcast host or whoever may be listening to this right now scientist doctor you know rn um medical malpractice whatever your your thing is understand that that is maybe the talent you have the neck you have to do that job well but there's a spiritual gift that comes from the holy spirit and these gifts are meant to help you um, to use these in the earth. Some are meant to be teachers. Some have a gift of uh, empowering others. Some have that gift of healing. Some have that gift of wisdom. Some have that gift of knowledge and understanding. Some have that gift of kindness. Of Some have the gift of generosity. And on and on and on. You got to go read First Corinthians 12. There's several different gifts that God gives you. And there's other texts in the Bible, of course, the New Testament that breaks down as well, the spiritual gifts. But 
There's there's spiritual gifts that God gives you to tie into your talent. And it's because your gift and your talent shall always bring honor and glory and direct people to the Father. But if your gift or your talent is bringing more glory for you, then I'm sorry, you're living in your makeup stage and not in the made up stage of your creator. Because your gift and your talent shall always direct people towards your heavenly father and not towards you. Though you may be the vessel being used in the earth that they see, but it should be something in the way you present your gift and talent that then makes them turn and say, who are you? What? How do you do this so well? What is, and it's in that moment where it's something in them that is deep drawing to deep wanting to know who your heavenly father is. So your response should not be, well, because I was always this and I, 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 me, me, me. It, it, no, it should be, well, because it's God. God put this in me. God, God birthed this through me. God showed me this. And so I'm just here to serve and give you this talent. But it's more to draw you closer to him so that you can find out your talent and your gift and your purpose. Woo, baby, I know I said a lot, but I do have some scripture text <laughs> to get to because I told y'all this whole series is going to be a deep dive into scripture. And so God gave me two characters in the Bible that we're going to talk about today that kind of went through similar similar um, identity issues where they were trying to figure out who they were because life had beat them down so badly because circumstances had come against them um, because maybe people only liked them for that particular talent. And so they didn't know know who they were and it took the angel of the lord it took god it took a servant of god to come and remind them of who they were because they had forgotten their identity because somebody dropped the ball along the way somebody stopped telling them who they were who were their original make and model was who were they made up to be somebody dropped the ball and didn't pour into them didn't tell them didn't remind them or life came and beat them down so much that they forgot who they were. And so they made themselves up into an image that they figured that's who they were. And God says today, no, I've created you in Christ's image, not in your own image, not in somebody else's, which is another man or woman's image. And so you see how they are. And so you'll make yourself up and to be like them. No, don't be like them. That's the spirit of comparison. I'm going to get into that another message for another day, but that's not going to be today. <laughs> today, I just want to talk about who you are to your core, not the person who you've made up and, and dressed up and, and, and decked down from head to toe in the best designer gear and, and the best makeup and, and all that and hair care products and all that, that money can buy. I'm talking about when all that is off. When the doors are closed and it's just you in the bathroom and nobody else. When it's just you in your bedroom, you in your home and nobody else is there and all of that's taken off. The bras taken off, the clothes taken off, the boxers taken off, the makeup's taken off, the hair's pulled out, the nails popped off, the the beard, because I know some men wear false hair, so the beard and the extensions is, is off. When all of that and the filters are gone. Who are you there? Most people don't even know who that person is. And God says enough of that today. I need you to know who you are. And because all of us um, are created 
I would say differently or uniquely, you got to go to a deep dive with the Holy Spirit for yourself. But the things that are promises for all of us that are that are the soul body of Christ and all of us is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That when God created us, he looked at his work and said, it's very good. That he created the innermost delicate parts um, of you while you were formed in your mother's womb. And he set you apart to do something significant in the earth for his glory, not for your own. That yes, you may have been hurt before. Yes, somebody may have dropped the ball before. Yes, um, some you may have been misused or abused, or you may have been the abuser or mishurt or mistreat somebody. But God says that's not who the core of who you are. That's the condition. That's the somebody before the fact versus the truth. That's the fact of who you've become up until this point. But that's not who you can become. That's not who you are becoming. That's not the best version, the holy version of yourself. That's that was always in heaven with Christ Jesus. That's not who that version is. It's just that you don't know who that version is. You never tapped into it. So you got to go tap into it for yourself. To say God who am I? Who am I Lord? What did you create in me to do? What is my purpose? What's my identity? Can you change who I've become? Because I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to see myself the way you see me, God. I want to see me flaws and all and love the skin I'm in. I'm talking about every wrinkle, every freckle, every mole, every uh, bald spot, every, uh, you know, kinky hair, every straight hair, every frizzy curly hair, every, you know, roll, every um, whatever. Love that person. Learn how to love that person in the mirror. Don't keep focusing on when you get there, you'll love him or her. When you do this tweaking and that twerking and that plucking and that picking and that this and that, that. And and when you stuff yourself into the shape where then you'll love that person. No, learn to love you completely naked. See, that's the difference with Adam and Eve. I'm not going to get to the scripture, but I feel like I got, you know, God wants me to just flow with him. So y'all just flow with me for a minute with the Holy Spirit. When it came to Adam and Eve, they didn't know that there was anything wrong with them until Satan, the serpent came in the garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three and told them what was wrong with them. When they chose to sin and eat from the the tree of knowledge that God told them not to eat the tree of good and evil that God told them not to eat the fruit from when they chose to do that that's when sin entered into them and that's when they started to be aware of their condition they didn't know they were naked until they sinned and then they found out oh man we're naked and then when they recognized they were naked, then came the crises of, oh gosh, well, there's this roll and there's this wrinkle and there's this and there's that. And oh, my abs don't look like this. And oh, my, my headline don't look like that. And oh, my hair texture isn't this and this. And, and all of a sudden, all these doubts about who God created them to be came into play. And that's why God says to them when he finds them in the garden hiding, he says, who told you you were naked? Who told you something was wrong with you? You got to go back to there. For some of us, it was when we were children. 
Whether it was a mommy or daddy who dropped the ball and didn't say it. Or they did say something but it wasn't to pour into your identity. It was to curse your identity. Because they were mad and they were angry. And they and they didn't have discipline or self-control to tailor their words to speak love. And so they spoke hatred towards you. Or if it was a child on the playground speaking very mean and nasty towards you because of what they've experienced in their own home that then gave them the seed to speak those words to you. Or it was a teacher who dropped the ball on, 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 on. But the seed started somewhere. Somebody told you along the way you weren't enough. That nobody could receive you the way you are today. And so you went on this journey and this struggle trying to figure out who you are and trying to make yourself up into an image that the world says is beautiful, an image that the world says they receive, an image that the world says is okay, and it's never enough. How many of you have been attaining and trying to achieve to the level of perfection and never getting it? Because we are imperfect people. You only become perfect when you die and get to heaven in Christ Jesus. We are perfected every day in him, but you are never perfect. Man is flawed. And so you have man telling other man, and this and this is gender neutral, you know, people telling other people how flawed they are and what needs to be fixed and tweaked and, and plucked and pulled. And then you have that person doing the work and then they go back to the other person and say, well, am I good enough? And that person still says, no, I know because I've been there. I lived it. I lived the majority of my life back to my childhood trying to live up to a standard that I could never achieve. Always looking for, I can be honest right now and say, always looking for mommy to say, I approve of you. Always wanting to hear my mother say, you are beautiful just as you are. You don't have to lose another pound. You don't have to fix your hair this way. You don't have to make yourself up. You don't have to dress this way. You don't have to speak this way. I just accept you as you. And I never got it. And I, and I kept, you know, fixing things and tweaking things and, and plucking things and, and, Sometimes going on like starvation diets just to lose the weight so that my mom would say, you're beautiful, baby girl. And I never got it. You know where I got it from? I got it from God. I finally had got to the end of myself where I got tired of trying to live up to man's standards of beauty. I got tired of trying to live up to man's standards of intelligence. I got tired of trying to live up to man's standard that says you can be accepted when you're like this. And I said, you know what? I got to figure out who I am for me. God, how do you see me? Because I'm so sick and tired of trying to make myself up in the image that everybody else says is acceptable. And then I'm making myself sick doing that and presenting myself to these same people who say when you become this will accept you. And then I'm never accepted because it never is enough. When it comes to people, you are never enough. Because there will always be something in them that they will find that's imperfect, that needs perfecting. Even the best plastic surgeon and the best pet plastic surgery case that you could think of, your favorite celebrity that you think looks perfect, will still go to a plastic surgeon. And the plastic surgeon will still tell them, you're not enough. I think if we just fix that right there, that'd be perfect. I think we just pump that right there, that'd be good. I think we just take that out, that'd be good. And before you know it, 
You driven yourself pretty much into the grave of depression, of anxiety, of stress, because it, you're never enough. And so you got to get to the point where you get to the end of that and you say, God, am I enough for you? And he says, yes, my child, you are. Jesus, can you accept me flaws and all? And he says, yes, my child, I can. God, with everything that, that has been, can you still bless a dead dog like me? Can you still bless a person that weighs this much? Can you still love the skin I'm in, even with this wrinkle, even with this jiggle under my arm, even with this, um, this, this stride in the way I walk, even with this, uh, this, varicose vein for those that may have it or even with this roll or this wrinkle or this um whatever god can you still accept this and he says yes i can and i have a purpose for it all I have a purpose for you if you could just learn to love the skin you're in. If you could just learn to see yourself the way I see you. If you could just learn to see your identity in the eyes of Christ Jesus who created you. Stop telling the creator he made a mistake. He didn't make a mistake. Man made a mistake and you made a mistake listening to man's image of who you are. You got to tap into the father. And so I'll finally go to the scriptures. The first scripture I want to start at is Judges chapter 6. You may have heard me talk about this scripture before. Um, this is about Gideon and when Gideon becomes a judge in Israel. And so I'm going to start the first verse. We're not going to read all of this this time. We're just going to start at the first verse uh, and read a little bit of it. Uh, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Seven is the number of completion. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Pause right there. Do you see this? The Israelites, which if you read your Bible, you know they were they, they were God's first chosen ones. They were Abraham's descendants that Abraham promised an inheritance. Or rather that God promised an inheritance to Abraham for their lives. That they were meant to be in a, a, a chosen land that God had in store for them. A land flowing milk and honey where they were meant. That meant a land that, that um, was it was prospering. They were meant to live like kings and queens in a sense in this land. Because they were God's chosen people. And yet, as we see several books in the Bible later, which means several hundreds of years later. Here they are hiding Living in places that's beneath them because they forgot their identity. Because the warfare came up against their life because life got a little too hard. And so they forgot who they originally were created and made up in the image of God to be. And so here you see them hiding in caves and in mountains and strongholds. Doing things and living beneath their means than God ever created them to be. They had inheritance on their life. They were meant to be lenders and not borrowers. They were meant to be above and not beneath. They were meant to be um, the head and not the tail. And yet here they are living the opposite of who God had created them to be in the first place. And so verse 3, whenever the Israelites planted, planted their crops, 
martyrs from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord said. The God of Israel says, I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon responded, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles uh, our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, Here's his identity crisis right here. How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Now, I'm going to pause here really quickly before I finish. Mind you, look at this. Actually, I'm going to just stop there. Look at this. God first said to him, mighty hero, mighty man of valor. He called him what his heavenly identity was always meant to be. But here he is because of his earthly circumstances, because of what life has taught him, because of what his family has called him. Basically, what he was saying was, I'm the black sheep of the family because my family has treated me this way, because my family has called me the least in the family. So this is my identity. And God is saying, no, that's not who I called you to be. Your identity was meant to be a mighty hero. I know men put their mouth on you and cursed you and called you this, but I never intended this for to be your identity. It was always, your makeup was always meant to be a mighty hero in God, being the leader of God's army. The problem is, is that man doesn't know your identity. Only God does. And so, as I said earlier, when you're looking for man to tell you what your image is, for man to tell you who you are, for man to tell you what your purpose is, then it's the blind leading the blind. It's, it's man leading man. I didn't create you. Even if a person is your mother or your father, they were vessels used by God to birth you into the earth, but they did not create you. God is the one who created you. There's plenty of people, just for a quick example, for people trying to figure that out, there's plenty of people who want kids and can't birth or produce them. Why? Because God allows the barren to be barren and then the womb to be open. 
It is the creator who decides when it's time to bless whoever with children. And then he will open their wombs to birth a child. He will open their sperm to, to produce a seed. But there's many people who um, shoot blanks. Many men who shoot blanks. And so you cannot look for man to give you your identity, to tell you your makeup. You got to go to the creator who made you to tell you your makeup. Gideon didn't know who he was, which is why I was foreign to him in this text of what are you saying? What do you mean? I am a mighty hero. That's not what my family said. But God, your heavenly father, is saying this to you. He's calling you who you are really meant to be. And so this leads me to another story in the Bible of 2 Samuel chapter 9. And many of you heard this text as well, as well before. And it's a man by the name of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was the son uh, or the grandson, excuse me, of King Saul, the first king of Israel. This is way after Judges, so way after Gideon's time. But Mephibosheth was the grandson of Saul. And I've one of you before um, in the podcast. If you haven't heard those episodes, you got to go back and listen to those previous episodes. I talked about before Saul's story and David's story and how Saul was rejected by God. And then David was anointed the next king of Israel whenever Saul died. And so uh, at this point in the story, Saul has passed away. David is now king. But before... Um, David, or rather before Saul is killed, along with his son, Jonathan, who is Mephibosheth's dad, um, Jonathan and David make a, a vow in a sense to each other. They commit to each other that, um, that because of Jonathan's kindness to always protect David against his own father, Saul, that David will extend that kindness to his own children, his own family bloodline. So basically, um, Jonathan was solidifying his Mephibosheth's future by saying, David, because I've always been kind to you, can you be kind to my son? And so sure enough, this is where we lead up in the story where Jonathan and Saul were killed in battle. And then David is uh, anointed or made king. I believe that's in 1 Samuel 17. Um, and then David is anointed king. And so here we are fast forwarding into David's reign uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 9, where David remembers the promise that he made to, um, to Prince Jonathan, basically, for his grandson or or his sons or Saul's grandsons um, for David to show kindness. And so here we are. Now, if you haven't figured it out just yet, I'll make it plain. But Fibosheth, technically speaking, is a prince because he was the grandson of a king, the son of a prince. So that made him a prince. However, as you'll read in this text, because of circumstances and because nobody was there to pour into him his identity, he forgot who he was. And so man told him who he was and he accepted that as his image, his identity. But that was never who God created him to be. And so 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting at the first verse, reads, One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, 
This is David asking the, the King David, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makir, son of Amiel. Lodabar is basically like a low place, kind of like if you think of the slums of the ghetto of, of the region. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to King David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Meshivah replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, King Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant? That you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me. Do y'all hear that? I'm going to pause real quick. Do y'all hear that? Mephibosheth got so low in his life because of circumstances, because of what the world said to him and how he was treated, that he considered himself a dead dog. This man was a prince. But because nobody reminded him of that, nobody poured it into him, nobody spoke this truth into him. He considered himself a servant and a dead dog. Continuing on in um, verse 9. The, then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a son, a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. What this story is showing you is that it takes God, a word from God, whether it be through a servant of God, like with David, or as we saw in Gideon's story, the angel of the Lord speaking directly to you. But it takes God's Holy Spirit to reveal your identity of who you are, of who he created you to be. Man can't tell you this unless it is revealed like with David from God who you are. God has to reveal a thing to a person. Otherwise, it's not known. It's just like people who are out here today, uh, real quick, I'm thinking about my spiritual um, life coach who always says like, baby, forget them folks because they don't know who you are. Go check out my homegirl Latoya Okia. And so, and it makes me think about what she says because many times we feel like we need to attain or achieve uh, or make ourselves up into an image to show off the people who we really are because they don't know me. Let me show them who I really am. I'm not who they say I am and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, and all you're doing is blind leading the blind because I promise you because I've experienced it and I've seen it in other people's lives, you will never be enough to man. 
There will always be somebody out there that will find uh, something wrong with you. That will find a reason to complain. That will find a fault or flaw in your DNA. They will find something that they can be tweaked and fixed and plucked and pulled and rearranged and reframed and whatnot. And you'll never be enough. Until you are enough for yourself. Because when you become enough for yourself. And you realize and see your identity. Through the eyes of Christ Jesus. Through the eyes of God. When you recognize your purpose in the Holy Spirit. Then you are at peace and don't care. What anybody has to say about who you are. You're not trying to fix and tweak yourself to be. In the image of anybody else but Christ Jesus. That means that you could show up in whatever capacity is needed. Whether your hair is done, nails done, everything done or not. You are able to still show up in the way that God told you to show up. Because you know that that does not make you beautiful. Beauty does not last as it says in Proverbs 31. Charm is deceptive and beauty fades. But those who fear the Lord. That's what will last forever. Your relationship with the father is what lasts forever. Not the things you make yourself up into look like. Not the things that the world tells you you should look like. That's why you cannot get your identity from man. You cannot get your identity from the world. You got to get your identity from God. Only he can tell you who you really are. I'll give you a personal example before I go to the next scripture of John 14. And that's an example of myself. So a few years ago, you might have heard me talk about this before. But um, I worked in, a TV, in the entertainment industry in New York City in TV, film, and fashion. And I was a wardrobe stylist assistant and a costume assistant. And so <clears throat> a few times I also worked some production jobs, but, you know, production assistant jobs. But for the most part, I worked in costume and wardrobe. And so as I worked those jobs... Um, I remember, I would say it probably started in, actually I know exactly when it started, I take the bet. It started uh, at the beginning of January 1st, 2011. And this was a uh, couple months after I had graduated college uh, in 2010. And so I remember during the time that I graduated, I think I told you this before, where I had a conversation with uh, one of my uncles and they gave me the Sister Act 2 story um, about, you know, if you, all you think about is singing, you must be a singer. And so for me at that time, all I thought about was fashion and helping people and how do I marry my psychology degree into uh, the realm of fashion and helping people in that way. And so I created something at the time, a digital creative performing arts magazine called Rock Chic. And for a while, uh, I worked that, and that actually is what opened the door. One of the things that opened the door for me working in New York City. And so, um, as I was doing that uh, and creating content for that platform, um, a lot of I had changed my name because um, I thought because of the world did it, you know, and many people in Hollywood and whatever don't really go by their name, and so. I started going under the name Andrea G's. Now, granted, my name is Andrea. G's actually is not my last name. And it's so crazy because even friends from college did not know my last name because they always thought it was G's. And that's because G's, which is G-E-S, was actually a um, an anagram or a moniker that my family would use, which stood for Griffin Entertainment Enterprises. My last name, as you guys know, Griffin Rogers. Rogers comes from my father, Griffin from my mother. 
And so, um, but most people that knew me didn't even know my last name. They always thought it was G's. And so for up until that point, I was going under. So I would say uh, mid 2010 onward, I started to go under the moniker of Andrea G's. And that's what people knew me as. And so, um, it, because people would either call me Andrea G's or call me Rock Chic, um, which was the the uh, digital magazine I had, it that was just a like in a sense a talent I was doing. It was something that I was giving out. It wasn't my identity, but because that's who people knew me as, I sort of just embrace it and and would just go you know go through it. And and I, even when it came to um, it came to like working full time when I had stopped doing Rock Chic uh, because it became something that I wasn't really proud of anymore because it became what everybody else wanted. Because just the same thing with identity. I started to go to people for advice and I didn't even realize that I was being successful in my own right and I didn't even know it. So I didn't understand SEOs and all that stuff at that time. And so my numbers were through the roof in terms of how many people, the traffic that was bringing to the website. I didn't know that. So I was getting over like 100,000 views per day, didn't know what that meant. And so for me, I felt like I was a failure. And this was also part of not knowing who you are. And so, um, and so I gave that up and, um, and I went into just working full time as a wardrobe assistant and a costume assistant. I worked on many great projects and worked with many amazing people. So I'm thankful for the opportunities that I had. And so, but everywhere I went, I was identified as Andrea G's on the call sheet, everything, Andrea G's. And so, for a while, I just started to believe that. And many of you, if you've uh, followed my social media pages, you probably have seen up until recently, uh, my pages always had said Andrea G's as well. You know, and it wasn't until um, I went through my Joe Wilderness season where God really helped me to understand that's not your identity. And I went through kind of like uh, Israel did We where before he became Israel, his name was Jacob. I went through a moment with the Holy Spirit where I had to like struggle to figure out my identity. And once that that came and just like Jacob says, this is on Genesis, you got to go read it. Once that moment came, I had to say to God, okay, well, you can't leave here without blessing me. I didn't wrestle with you and go through this hell to not get a blessing. And the blessing that I got, aside from Agents of Revival being birthed from the misery and the pain that I went through, a ministry was birthed in me. But also it was a name change. Who are you? You're not Andrea G's. Your name is Andrea Griffin Rogers. Own that name because that is the name that's powerful. That is the name that demons will run from and flee from. Not that I'm Jesus Christ. I'm saying that when you know who you're, who you are, then there's no devil in hell that can tell you who you are because you know your identity. And so I realized in order to do the work that God was tasking me to do, I had to own who I was. My name that I was born with is Andrea Victoria Griffin Rogers. I have to own that. And I went through, I remember exactly when it happened. It was uh, around December 2021. And I saw a sermon by a woman named Pastor Stephanie Ike. 
at the time she was just Stephanie Ike. Her name now is because she's gotten married, Stephanie Ike Okafor. And I was watching a sermon from her, and she was teaching on the weight of your name. And it became one of my favorite sermons, y'all. I want to say I've watched that sermon at least three times. Because it was so powerful for me. Because it was exactly the confirmation from God already affirming in me. You need to know who you are. Your name carries weight in the spiritual realm. Your name will carry weight in the earthly realm. But not until you know who you are. And you start owning your identity. The identity that Christ created in you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb. You have got to own who you are what is the name that was given to you when you were born own that person and love that person flaws and all experiences and all trauma and all tragedy and all it doesn't matter mistakes and all own who you are and so i had to stand up and do that and one of the tasks that she said in the um in the sermon and you can go watch this on youtube was um she went on a search to find what her name meant and that helped me to say you know what let me go on a search and google what does andrea mean what does victoria mean what does griffin mean what does rogers mean and so it's it's a lot but just to kind of paraphrase one of the biggest things that that stood out to me was andrea means bold and powerful strong authority in god victoria means victory Griffin means, um, Griffin means, uh, uh, what is it called? Griffin means, uh, eagle or, or servant of God, a mighty warrior in God. And Rogers means spear of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't even know my name was so powerful, but God did. And so I, I had to own my identity of who I was. Who he had already made me up to be before the world made me up to be something that I wasn't. Before I was trying to make myself into an image that I saw everybody else living. I had to own me. And so now because God worked on me and I partnered with the Holy Spirit to uh, love me. I love me. (laughs) I love me baby. The skin I'm in, I love me. Every roll, I, I love me. Every freckle, I love me. And it's interesting because I feel like ever since I started to learn to love me, I've noticed more freckles on my face. And my mother, if you've ever seen an image of her on my social media pages, um, she has uh, freckles on her face as well. And... Um, and and I and really quickly, don't be alarmed if you go and like Google me and you see me, my mom, um, and you may see that she uh, is uh, Muslim. This was because of church hurt. I talked about that before, and and how people need to heal from church hurt because church hurt runs deep, and it will have you run away from God and into the arms of things that God never had in store for you. But another topic for another day and time. And so anyway, one of the things my mom used to say to me growing up when I used to ask her about her freckles. She would say to me, oh, baby, my freckles are kisses from God. And I said, oh, wow. And so, but I didn't like getting freckles. And that's because while there were times where my mom would respond to me that way, there were also times where I would see her complaining about her freckles. I would see her complaining about her identity. I would see her complaining about the skin that she was in. And then because she was so critical of of her own image, that then poured into me. See, everything comes from a seed. 
and I talk about it on the YouTube um, channel. I, I did a um, video earlier this week, so go check that out, where I talked about um, get into position. And I talk about how um, people that um, are abusers were once abused. And to get full context of that, you got to go check out that video. And so you got to understand that it started somewhere. It didn't start um, in adulthood. It was a seed that was planted somewhere along the line that made them not like the skin that they were in. And so then they pour that out onto other people and onto their children and their friends and whatnot or their relationships. And the cycle never ends until somebody says, enough with trying to be who you want me to be. I'm going to find out who I am and love me for me. And so I love me for me. That's not to say that there aren't things that I'm doing to maintain my my temple. Like, be, you know, for me, you know, I will say this. The doctors say because of their scale of the American Association or whatever. Oh, you're overweight. For me, I'm healthy. Because I know what it felt like to go through, and you've and you've been following this podcast. You've heard me say my my season of sickness through my Joe wilderness. I know what it felt like to be completely sick and on death's door. So I'm healthy. Now, am I happy that um, I gained weight from being sick? Yes and no. And I say that because. I understand why I gained this weight because of the medications that were there to help me sustain my life. There's a remembering, uh, even looking at old photos of how I used to look and the shape and weight I used to be. But where I'm at now, I'm learning to love the skin I'm in. Because I went through a time where I hated the skin I was in. Even as I was getting healthier, I was so depressed of the weight I had gained for medication. But it, but it was not only the Holy Spirit working on me, but then having the village. I talked about before the support group that you need that will remind you of who God created in you, and to help you be accountable for you because these are people that have been where you are, and so they teach you and and remind you to love the skin you're in. And so now I love me, but that doesn't mean that I don't take care of me because I want to run this race as long as God has me run it. And so that means that I have to watch what I eat. That means that I have to get enough adequate sleep. Sleep, excuse me. That means I have to drink enough water. That means I have to stay agile and fit working out. Not working out to lose weight. Working out just to stay energized. Because how many of you know when you don't move a thing, it becomes stale and stagnant. It becomes stiff. So you've got to move around. Even just to maintain where you are, what you have, you got to move around. I've seen even on some um, commercials that there are some people that are way bigger than me and they are super flexible. Why? Because they practice yoga every day. They continue to move their bodies every day so that they don't um, be crippled and bent over and in pain and whatnot. You've got to love the skin that you're in. And understand that in loving who you are, when everything is taken off, it's tied into your identity. Because if you don't love who you're made up as, no matter how much makeup you put on your face, you will still find a blemish that you don't like. You will still find a scar that just doesn't suit you. You will still find a wrinkle or, or a hair out of place or whatever that, that you still say is just not perfect enough. You got to get to the point where you stop seeking perfection. Just like I had to get to that point. Where I stopped seeking perfection. And so I finally am at the point now where I love my freckles. 
<laughs> I love my freckles. I look and I take pictures now because I've I've healed from that season where I didn't like taking pictures. There are people that I you know I was recently talking to somebody uh, last year, an old college mate, and um, they were like, "Man, I was wondering what how you were doing or what was going on with you because I hadn't seen you on social media in years." Yeah, because in my joke wilderness season, I went through a tough time. And I went through my struggle of, of identity. And so I stopped taking pictures. And so there's images of me that some may see circulating, circulating around the internet and whatnot and social media of the old me, of the me I had made myself up to be in the image of other people. And so, yeah, there's, there's her out there. But then there's the new me. But the in-between parts... I didn't let anybody see. And I'm thankful that God didn't let anybody see either. Because God does his best work in a dark room. Just like a photographer with a camera. That photo comes out perfected when it's able to be in a dark room. Not perfect, but perfected in the image of the creator. And so though you may have taken the picture, the person who works with the digital uh, photo to create it onto paper is the creator. They're the ones that tailor and work and shape and mold that image in the dark room to make sure that when it's time to shine in the envelope or in the um, package that they give it to you, in the frame they give it to you, that it is the most pristine and perfected image there is. But it took time in a dark room. And God says, I want to do a work in you in a dark room, but you've got to be willing to partner with me to pour into who you are meant to be. You got to be willing to tear down who you've made yourself up to be so that God can pour into you who he's really made you to be. Just like Gideon, you may be a mighty hero, but you can't see yourself as a mighty man or woman of valor until you... Get your identity and tap in with the father first so that he can pour that into you. Just like Mephibosheth, you are kings and queens, princes and princesses in Christ Jesus. But you don't know that if nobody's pouring that into you, if God doesn't pour that into you. And I know there are some people that make themselves up into what pop culture and social media references and movies and, and monarchies of the world is. But God says there is a spiritual realm of authority, of, of royalty that you have never even seen yourself as. And you got to tap into that version of royalty to find out what type of king and queen, prince and princess you really are. It starts with Jesus, who is the way and the truth. And so going now to John 14, starting at the first verse, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. This is Jesus speaking right now. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this was not true, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip replied, as another disciple, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. 
Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Did y'all catch that? What if Jesus didn't know his name? What if Jesus did not know his identity? Then how could we pray to him and get our, our prayers answered from the father? How can we believe he's our Lord and savior if he didn't know who he was? How can we have a relationship with him and with God? And more importantly, as it says in the next scripture with the Holy Spirit, if we did not, if Jesus did not know who he was, we wouldn't know who he was. We wouldn't know his name. There is power in your name. I can't get away from that. Because there may be somebody out there listening. That you've been un under a, a false monarch. A false name. A moniker. A false name for some time now. And God is saying forget the pseudonyms. It's time to tap into who you really are. Own your name. Because there's authority in your name. You can make more headways. You can knock down more doors. There is more uh, windows that heaven wants to pour out to bless your life but it's about you knowing your identity in Christ Jesus and knowing your name who are you made up as are you made up in the image of Christ Jesus or are you made up in the image of you of other people because you've seen what people said business should be done this way or you can only get successful if you call yourself this and so you have changed your name in the image of the people. And God says no. Enough with that today. Mm -mm, baby no. Tap into who he has created you to be. Tap into your identity. Some of you are praying prayers. And wondering why God won't answer them. And could I submit for your consideration. That it's because you're praying it under a false name. And so God's like who are you? No he knows who you are. But do you know who you are? That's the same thing as with Adam and Eve. Who told you that? Who are you? Do you know who you are? Who told you you wasn't who I created you to be? Somebody planted that seed in your head that said God made a made um, a boo-boo. God made a mistake. So this wasn't who I was supposed to be. So I got to create me into the image that I'm supposed to be because God messed up. God didn't mess up. The enemy told you that lie that God messed up. God makes no mistakes. He knew who you were created to be. You just got to know who you're created to be. This is the time. Hear me. This is the time to find out who you're really made up as. Is it your makeup of man? Or are you made in the image of Christ Jesus? So I pray this message stirred your faith and gave you some things to think about. Like I said, if you want to hear more um, content... 
that I don't release through the podcast, you've got to be following me on social media platforms. I'm on um, Facebook and Instagram at Andrea from Rogers. There's also an Agents of Revival page on Instagram uh, at um, Agents of Revival underscore official. Um, and then on YouTube, the page there is at Andrea Griffin Rogers. Um, and you can check out that video I was telling you about earlier called get into position. It's time to get into position. And the only way to get into position is to know who you are in Christ Jesus. If you don't know your identity, if you don't know who, who and whose you are, then you don't know your purpose. And therefore you are not in the position that he wants you to be in. And so don't, don't let the enemy in this moment, hear me. Don't let the enemy make you feel bad because you don't know. Let that fuel you to go ask the father who you are. Ask him who you are and to change your identity. And I promise you, he will do the same thing that he did to me, that he did to Gideon, that he did to Mephibosheth. You just have to be reminded of who you are in Christ Jesus. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord of God be gracious to you. Show you his favor and give you his shalom. Give you his peace. Take care. Bye now.